How many people know that normal is not a backwards-facing thing, it's a forward-facing thing? When we are kingdom of God people, normal is before us, not behind us. And we wanted to lean into this idea that normal is a future-orientated word in this series. And so we're talking about the new things, the new normal. And it's good because the Bible has a lot to say about new things. And I'm going to preach on one of those passages which talks about new things, Isaiah 43, which says, Behold, I am doing... A new thing. And I'm going to introduce it by telling you that after Shemaine Gibson's 21st birthday party, I got stuck in an elevator. Did you know this? I got stuck in an elevator after Shemaine Gibson's 21st birthday. I left your birthday party slightly early because it was a Saturday night in the city and I was a good church girl who had to volunteer the next morning. And so I wasn't going to hang around and be late. No, no, I was going to come early, full of passion, like the dream team at Papakura. I was going to come just like them. And I, so I left the, the party early and because of that, I left it alone because everyone else wanted to continue celebrating Shemaine because she's just so great. And so they continued celebrating Shemaine and I went to the car park building where I'd parked my car, went in the elevator, pressed the floor, went upwards and the doors would not open. And friends, I need to tell you that there is nothing more panic inducing than being stuck in an elevator. I froze immediately and got out my phone and of course I had no cell phone service. And so I wondered, what on earth am I going to do? I noticed that in the elevator, this is a fun fact that many might not know because I did not, there is an emergency button in the elevator. And I pressed it, and guess what happened? It began to ring. It was a phone. I didn't know this. Did anyone, did anyone else know this? Are you serious? Does everyone know this about me? Oh, thank you. All right, someone didn't know. It began to ring, and suddenly I find myself having a conversation with this person on the other end. There is a job with people do that. And so I was like, hi. They were like, the guy was like, how are you? I was like, not good. Like, <laughs> I'm in an elevator. I'm stuck. But it was weird because I could only talk to him for like 30 seconds at a time. It kept on cutting off. And so this wasn't a good decision. But I gave up trying to use the emergency line. And I began to think myself, like, what am I going to do? I'm like, I'm going to have to set up camp here for the night. What if it gets cold? What if I need to use the bathroom? What are they going to do at church the next morning? Does anyone at the party even know that I'm having a deeply traumatic experience? Do they even even care? You know, this is me. When all of a sudden the thought occurred to me that I should try to go down, back down to the floor that I had left from. And so I pushed the bottom floor, the elevator dropped, the doors opened, and I walked out a free woman. <laughs> Freedom had never felt so good. Have you ever noticed that you're stuck until you find the way out? Have you ever noticed that simply the solution to stuckness is just finding the way out, the way through, the way under, the way over? And it's good that it's a simple solution because have you ever noticed that human beings get stuck a lot? We get stuck in traffic. I don't even have to be in a rush to get stressed out by being stuck in traffic. The moment I hit traffic, I'm angry, you know? And I'm working on that, okay? We get stuck on web pages. We get stuck in thought cycles. We get stuck in patterns of sin. We get stuck in physical locations. We get stuck in destructive behaviors. Human beings, we get stuck. We get stuck a whole lot. And so it's good for us to know that the simple solution to being stuck is just finding the way. Just finding the way out. And I'm aware that in a room such as this, there are probably the, la the vast majority of us who are going through a season or an element 
of stuckness. And I'm not here to belittle your stuckness. I'm not here to tell you that it's easy. I'm not here to tell you that you're going to get through very, very easily. But I am here to tell you that the solution to your stuckness is as simple as finding the way. I went through a season last year where I was stuck in a pattern of a destructive thought cycle that was causing a lot of pain in my life. And I'd struggled with it literally for years until one Sunday morning where the Lord told me that I was to get up at 6 a.m. every day. And from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., I needed to declare healing over myself. And so I went and I sat in my prayer closet and I felt incredibly foolish, but I knew how to open the door. It wasn't, I wasn't going to get stuck in it like the elevator situation. All right. And I would declare healing over myself. I would declare that strongholds of fear were being torn down in the name of Jesus. I would declare that I was the image of God in Christ Jesus. And can I tell you that slowly over a year, those thought cycles did begin to break down. The solution to my stuckness was as simple as finding a way. In fact, finding a way, the good biblical word for that is deliverance. And the biblical word for stuckness is captivity. When you're trapped and stuck in a cycle, the Bible would call that thing captivity and he would call the way out deliverance. And this is important for us to understand when we turn to Isaiah 43 verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It springs forth now. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. Come on, somebody. I'm making streams in the wasteland. And you need to understand today that this text is talking about deliverance. I need you to know today that new thing is not whatever you want the thing to be, okay? The Bible is referring to something specific. He's referring to captive Israel who are trapped in captivity in Babylon and them being set free. This scripture is for anyone who feels stuck. This scripture is for anyone who feels trapped. This scripture is for anyone who walked in here stuck in physical locations and jobs and relationships. This scripture is for you. In fact, I want to declare over to you today that behold, your God is doing a new thing. Come on, it springs forth now. Do you not perceive it? He's making a way in your wilderness, streams in your desert wasteland. How do I know that this scripture is about deliverance? Well, I know because of a bit of what I would call Bible history. And the last time I was with this church, I really felt like you guys just love the word. You love the word of God. So I'm going to give you some word. I'm going to give you some Bible today. This scripture is found in the book of Isaiah specifically Isaiah chapter 43. The thing that you need to know about this is that every passage from Isaiah 40 onwards is being written to the nation of Israel who are held captive in the city of Babylon. If you know anything about Israel's Bible history, you'll know that God brought them into the promised land, but then they repeatedly disobeyed. And God warned them over a course of many years that if they continued in their disobedience, they would be captured, brought out of the land, but they ignored him. And finally this happened. A remnant are taken or a group are taken to captivity in Babylon. And that explains the tone shift from the first part of Isaiah to the, to the uh, chapters from Isaiah 40 on. From Isaiah 40 on, he is talking, he is speaking hope to captive Israelites who are in Babylon. And to them he says, behold, I am doing a new thing. 
I'm going to bring you out of captivity in Babylon. God begins to speak hope to his people. And I really believe today that this is a message for us, that there are many people here who are stuck in need of deliverance, and God would declare this same thing over us. That's the historical context of this passage, but I want to give you some of what we call the literary context. When you're reading the Bible, I'm so sorry, this is like, yeah, here we go. When you're reading the Bible, there are two contexts that you always need to look at. One is the historical context, which is what I just gave you, and the other is the literary context. What that means is every verse is situated in a wider passage and it is the passage which gives sense to the verse. If I was to tell you I am happy, you might know that I am happy but you don't know why I'm happy. You don't know what would happen to make me happy. You don't know what happens after my happiness. There's no context to that. The same is true of the Bible. We read one verse and we're like, yep, got it. No, you don't got it. You've got to read the whole passage, okay? And the passage, the literary context of this particular particular scripture is actually unbelievable. I'm going to read it to you. It's verse 16 to 18. Is it behind me? What a miracle. What a church. What a time. All right. This is what the Lord says. Okay, side note. When you're uh, looking at the prophetic books in particular, they are broken into what we would call oracles. These are different prophecies, different passages. And every time you see this is what the Lord says, that's a good indication to you that it's the beginning of an oracle, okay? This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. And there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. It's pretty descriptive language. What this passage is referring to is the Exodus event. So Israel were captive in Egypt, and then God brought them out of captivity by taking them through the Red Sea. There's that incredible story where he parts the waters. The Israelites walk through on dry ground and the Egyptian army try and follow them and the waters crash over them. That's what this passage is referring to. He's like, remember? Remember that I've already delivered you? Remember that I have a track record of bringing you out of captivity? But this is where it gets strange because he says, remember this. And then he says, forget. He says, forget the past. Forget what you once knew. Forget about it because behold, I'm doing a new thing. That's confusing. It's the equivalent of me saying to Shemaine, Shemaine, remember when you were 21? Nah, forget about it, you're old now. That's the equivalent. It does not make any sense. He's like, remember, remember, jokes, forget about it, you know? And then straight after he says forget about it, he goes on to say this. I'm really excited about the screen now. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. He's referring to the Exodus event again, because what he does in the Exodus is that he gives away in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland, and the response is the people declare praise. And so what he's saying is, remember, forget, but remember again. What is that? Well, actually, it gives us a pretty good indication of what we're to do when we're stuck. Firstly, when you're stuck, the first thing you do is you remember God delivers. That's what you remember. 
You remember that almighty God who is living and active in your life. Almighty God who is for you and not against you. Almighty God who right now is fighting the battle for you. He is the God who delivers. You remember times that he has come through for you. You remember the battles that he has fought and won on your behalf. You remember that your God is a deliverer. How encouraging would the Exodus story have been to the Israelites who were held captive in Babylon as they cast their minds back to their history where they were captive once, but God released them into wonderful freedom. The first thing you do is you remember God delivers, but then, friend, you forget the method of delivery. You forget the method of delivery. You remember that your God delivers, but you forget the way that he did it. Friend, I need you to know that God's going to do it in your life the way he did it before, but he's not going to do it the way he did it before. He's the God of the new thing. I've heard it said like this. I heard it said that uh, we forget not God's faithfulness, but we forget the way in which it came. See, the problem is so often we want God to do it like he did, the way he did, and we become so set on the method as opposed to the person that we don't see the deliverance when it comes. I don't want to be so fixated on the method of delivery that I miss my deliverance when it makes its way into my life. And that was true of this passage. You see, in the Exodus event, Israel are delivered from the hands of an evil, tyrannical king, from Pharaoh. They're delivered from his hands. See, in the Babylonian captivity, they will be delivered through a benevolent king who will allow them to go back to the city of Jerusalem. See, if Israel had been so fixated on the method of delivery, they would have missed deliverance when it roared into their lives. So friend, we do remember that God delivers, but we forget the method in which it comes because behold, come on somebody, he's doing a new thing. Third thing we do is we look for what's growing up. We look for what's growing up. It says, see, it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And that language springs forth is like plant language, which I know nothing about, but I read a Bible commentary that told me about it, okay? It springs forth. It's agricultural language. It's plant language. In other words, this is good. You don't look for something that's not there. When you're looking for the new thing, you're looking for something that is already seeded and growing up in your life. So often when we think about the new thing, we think about something that's going to come out of nowhere, something that's going to blindside us, something that we don't see coming. But I need you to know that the new thing God is working in your life, come on, is seeded in your life right now. And it might be small. It might just be a seedling. It might not yet have been fully formed or begun to take shape. But I promise you that the new thing is coming, is seeded and growing up in your life right now. And so our job is to look for what's growing. What's God breathing on in your life? Is it a gifting that He's growing up in your life? Is it an aspect of your character that He's growing up in your life? Is it a relationship? Because you better believe that so often deliverance comes by the hand of someone else. We'll want to preach that. We don't like that because I'm independent. I don't need anyone's help. No, I'm not going to go there. All right. I preached over that side, they didn't like it, so I came back here. Just kidding, love that side. You guys are awesome. 
It could be a part of your devotional life. It could be something, an aspect of your character. God's growing up. When you're looking for the new thing, you look for something that is already seeded and growing in your life. From there, it grows forth. See, that's what we do when we're stuck. And about now, you're like, Haley, you're about 15 minutes short of finishing the message. That's right, I've got another three points, okay? All right, I'm going to go through them real quick, I promise. See, this is what deliverance looks like when it comes. In this passage, we see that deliverance looked the same, very similar. There was three sort of uh, broad strokes that were similar in the Exodus event and from the Babylonian captivity. And I want to speak to you to the them to you today prophetically because I know what your deliverance will involve firstly it'll involve a way in the wilderness and I I pray that this is clear from this part of the story I pray that this part of the message you've already gone okay I kind of get it but I need you to know that if there is any element of stuckness in your life any part of your life where you have felt like you are captive If there is a sense that you've said to yourself, I'm never going to get past this thing. I'm never going to get over this thing. I am declaring to every captive heart today that there is a way in your wilderness. There is a way out. There is a way through. There is a way over. There is a way under. And I need you to know today that I am not preaching false hope. I am not preaching something that is light or momentary or platitudes. I am preaching biblical truth. The Word of God declares over you that whatever element of stuckness or captivity there is in your life, He is the God who provides the way in the wilderness. Come on, come with me. I just sense that there is a little bit of resistance. I'm so sorry. If you are in this place and you have debated And even now you're saying, no, 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 you don't know my situation. You don't know my circumstance. I don't, but I know your God. And I know He is mighty to save. I know He is able to deliver. I know He is above all. Come on, we sung it before. He reigns above it all. He's the God who sees the victory. And I'm not resting my hope in the harshness of your circumstance. I'm grounding it in the good knowledge of who our God is. There is a way in your wilderness. There is a way in your wilderness, friend. There is a way through. I know your deliverance will involve a way in the wilderness. Secondly, I know that it will involve the miraculous provision of water. Which is a long title for a point and I apologize. The way in the wilderness was much catchier. Isaiah 43 verse 20. The wild animals honor me. The jackals and the elves because... uh, Owls, not the elves. (laughs) Oh no. Because I provide water in the wilderness. They're so funny. (laughs) Oh man. Because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give... Uh, drink to my people, my chosen. In both uh, deliverance events, uh, God miraculously provides water uh, for his people. And he does it differently in both situations. And actually, the difference is quite interesting. Uh, but I'm not going to go there today. I, I just need you to know that God is not only the way, he's the water. He's not only the way, he's the water. God is both the water and the way because the truth is, I'm not here to tell you that the way is easy. Like it didn't say uh, he will provide for you a way along a path 
or away along the beach or away along the path. Friend, it's away in the wilderness. And actually, there's many of you here today and you know exactly what your way is. You know exactly what you need to do. For you, the question isn't, what is the way? The question is, how can I get through it? Because for some of you, the way is going to involve something that's hard. It might involve mending relationships. It might involve forgiving people. It might involve exposing a part of yourself to someone else that you've never shared or told before. It might involve revisiting a traumatic event so that you can allow the healing oil of the Holy Spirit into that thing. It might involve you stepping out of faith when you don't feel like you're able to. See, for many of you, actually, you know exactly what the way is. And I get a sense right now that there's some of you who have been sitting or standing in front of the way for literally years. And the reason you haven't stepped into it is because you doubt your ability to walk the path. And I need you to know that where God provides a way, he will always provide you with the water. See, the way and the water are as tied together as the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit, who is the water of life. Actually, it goes on to make clear that the water is referencing the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 44. It says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. You've got to know today that the way is littered with the provision of water. And the truth is, if you were walking the way in your own strength, chances are you wouldn't get very far. Wouldn't take long for your strength to run out. Wouldn't take long for your patience to come to an end. Wouldn't take long for human wisdom to cease. Wouldn't take long for you to get tired and exhausted on the journey. But you better know today that if you are walking the way of Jesus, you're gonna experience the water of the Holy Spirit because where there is the way of Jesus, there is always the water of the Holy Spirit. See, when you step out on the path, friend, notice that I didn't say if, I said when. Because I believe in a group such as this, we're not ones who shrink back. We're ones who step forward. When you step out on the path, you better know today that the path will be littered with the miraculous provision of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what He does. He doesn't just give you the way. He provides you with the water. Finally, this is what your deliverance will involve. It'll finish with a praise response from the people of God. This is what it says in Isaiah 43, verse 21. He talks about the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. See, this is the response when, the God, when God brings you out of stuckness. The response is praise. And actually, if Axel and the team can, would like to join me, the response is praise. And there are many different types of praise. There's prophetic praise. 
praise which stares at the night and declares the coming of the morning. Praise which prophetically declares what God is yet to do. Praise which gives thanks for something that is in the future. But I need you to know that that is not the type of praise that this passage is talking about. This is not talking about prophetic praise, praise which signals the great hope in the midst of the night. No, 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 this praise is the cry of thank you once the morning has dawned. This is the type of praise that announces the dawn. It's the hand clapping, foot stomping, yelling at the top of your lungs praise which accompanies your team's victory. And I pray right now that in Jesus' name, you feel the light dawn on your face that you can bring to your mind and the imagination the freedom you will feel when the captivity is done the lightness of your heart that you will feel when you've come into the wide open place I pray today that you feel the beginning of a praise response a praise response when all I can say is thank you, God. Thank you, God. Some of you came into church like that today. See, some of you came in stuck, but a bunch of you praised today. I don't know, did you feel it? A bunch of you praised today like captivity had ended. A bunch of you praised today like deliverance had come. A bunch of you praised today like you could feel the light of the morning on your face. But some of you, some of you praised prophetically. Some of you announced the coming of the dawn. And wherever you are in this place, I pray today that you do not lose sight of the way and the water in the wilderness.